Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. How are you doing today, Jane? I'm I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Jacqueline? Oh, I'm pretty good as well. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing wonderful. Because, uh, you know, as always, we're your favorite podcast all about the wonderful books. The sometimes wonderful, the sometimes not so great. <laughs> sometimes just mid. Uh, oftentimes just mid books of rick riordan today we're starting the throne of fire i wonder if that's some kind of subtle foreshadowing that you've thrown out there i mean who i who's to who uh, what's the fucking phrase so be it not so be it but it's so like back. not so back what's the <laughs> what's the phrase far far be it from me to judge mm-hmm. the first four chapters of this book and then be like <laughs> and then judge the entirety of the book from that yeah that, i mean that's that's interesting because i was reading these and flashing back to when i wrote off titan's curse after the first few chapters really and thinking hmm, maybe i should like withhold my judgment because i was wrong about that i ended up really liking titan's curse okay well i'm i'm really curious about your feelings about these chapters in that case <laughs> so maybe do we have any news to talk about? We don't have any news to talk about before we get into summaries, do we? Probably not. It's been weeks since I've even bothered to check, but I will now do what any listener at home could conceivably do at any time and just type Percy Jackson into DuckDuckGo's news tab. Yeah, the thing is, is that like I, I got a news thing a while back that was like, exciting new developments in the Percy Jackson series, and I clicked on it and it was like, the Riordans have made an announcement saying that there was has currently been no progress. <laughs> so, uh, oh, the Alexandra Daddario reveals if she'll return to the Disney Plus Percy Jackson series. Will this she? is the person who played Annabeth. I mean, I'm going to call it right now because the headline phrases it like a question instead of saying that that's what's happening. It's a no. Okay. Uh, Alexandra replied with a very clear no. Yep, there it is. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't imagine Rick wants any of those people near his <laughs> near his precious TV show. I mean, wasn't there some talk about maybe like they were going to get Logan Lerman to do Poseidon? Yeah, I don't know how big of a talk that was, other than like fan rumor, though. Yeah, that might have just been like fans. But I mean, that would be cute if they did it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's older now. He's older. He he was trying in those movies. He does. Maybe he deserves another crack at it in something that's not shit. Right, but I don't know. I also wouldn't mind just like a a more a I don't know a more not distinguished, but you know I I wouldn't mind some I don't know. I guess Poseidon does have that like beach dad vibe that I'm sure Logan Lerman could do now. I suppose the problem is you get like you get to um, Last Olympian where he's like old and fucked up because of uh-huh. his realm being destroyed by Kronos. And he ends up looking like fucking Guy Pierce in Prometheus, where he's in just like all the terrible old man makeup. <laughs> well, by that point, the show's either going to be, it's either going to have like a skyrocketed budget from the first season, <laughs> or it's going to be canceled by season three. That is also very, or maybe the like, they'll start with a really high budget where it's got like really great special effects and then just slowly slash it down to like a CW show budget across the seasons. I, I wouldn't hate that. I like CW shows. <laughs> Listen, I I I also like Riverdale, but <laughs> I'm not I'm not there for the stellar production value. I get it. I get it. 
All right. Well, let's let's get into this. Uh, Jane, do you want to give us those summaries? Don't 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 do this. Don't lie to me. Jacqueline, do you want to give us those summaries? <laughs> you you fucking you've gotten me with this before, but never again. Never again. One day it'll work. It probably will. Oh wait, did I say what book we're reading? We're reading the Throne you of did. Fire. You did. You you mentioned that it's Throne of Fire. Okay. Thank you for mentioning that because again, this the version that I have is the most smushed together. So like, I didn't even register the title when I was flipping over to the next book. <laughs> uh, chapter one, Carter. Fun with spontaneous combustion. A few months after the events of the Red Pyramid, Carter and Sadie are breaking into the Brooklyn Museum to steal an artifact Horace told Carter they would need in order to save the world from Apophis in the next five days. Along with them are two of their trainees, Jazz, a cheerleader and healer studying the magic of Sekhmet, and Walt, a charm maker who Sadie has a crush on. Unfortunately, the museum is hosting a wedding and also magically booby-trapped, so they have to be very careful sneaking in. Eventually, they make their way to a statue of Kanum, the divine potter and an aspect of Ra, which Sadie uses magic on to reveal a scroll. However, the scroll sticks to her hand, and magical flames shoot out of it, igniting the museum and activating its magical defenses. Chapter 2. Carter. We tame a 7,000-pound hummingbird. The group is attacked by a freeze of a griffin that's come to life, and when they try to escape through a window, things get worse. The window had symbols of Sekhmet carved into it, and plague spirits are released, attacking Walt and the wedding guests. While Jazz heals Walt, Carter tries to get the griffin under control, realizing that he's a sacred animal of horse, and will therefore obey him. Jazz has been weakened by one of the spirits, but she's determined to heal the guests. She uh, she kisses Walt on the cheek, gives Sadie a wax figurine that she should use when the time comes, and goes off to destroy the spirits. In the meantime, Carter's confronted in slowed time by a demon using the voice of Apophis, who says he will never find her, and that she sleeps in the place of red sand, but that she'll die if he goes on his quest. The demon disappears, and Jazz is completely drained by her performance, so they scoop her up and fly the griffin home, while Brooklyn burns with ghostly fire around them. Chapter 3. Sadie. The Ice Cream Man Plots Our Death. Back at the Brooklyn house, after getting Jazz to safety, Sadie plops down on the roof and considers the wax healing statue Jazz gave her, a detailed depiction meant to be used for Carter. Bast approaches her and helps her calm the scroll's power down so that Sadie's hand and Brooklyn are no longer on fire. Apparently, the scroll is one-third of the Book of Ra that they need to use to summon the titular old sun god. Bast is conflicted about this, what with Ra having trapped her in the eternal duel to the death of the Pophis and all. Sadie leaves to her room, feeling unneeded and unwanted, and puts on some Adele to listen to while laying down and stewing in her feelings. When she falls asleep, her Ba travels to the first gnome in the chambers of Chief Lector Dejadin, where he's being manipulated by some dude with fucked up eyes named Vladimir into gathering forces to destroy Brooklyn House, and laying him guard around the other two scrolls. Sadie is woken up suddenly by Amos, who wishes her a happy birthday before she tells him the House of Life are coming to kill them. Chapter 4. Sadie. A birthday invitation to Armageddon. Sadie gets ready for the day ahead, showering and throwing her magic supply bag into a duo pocket before joining everyone, including the 20 or so trainee magicians they've picked up along the way, at breakfast. She tells them about her vision, and the kids are frightened, but Amos tries to reassure them that they'll be protected and ready when the time comes. Then, Carter tells them about their plan to wake up in Adrenomate Ra to help them fight Apophis in four days on the Spring Equinox. Amos explains that one of the scrolls is likely in the hands of Vladimir Menshikov, the third most powerful magician in the world, and the one that runs the 18th gnome in Russia. Bast won't be able to come with them because she's going to check on Apophis' prison, but she's going to have a friend pick them up and protect them the next day. 
Before getting swept up in everyone else's plans, Sadie declares her intent to go hang out with her friends and family in London for her birthday. She's worried everyone will be mad, and Carter is upset for sure, but Amos gives her the go-ahead. On her way out, she realizes Carter is kind of broken up right now too, and they argue about Carter finding signs about Zia everywhere, and Carter, see keeping and Carter keeping secrets from her. Sadie storms off and teleports to Cleopatra's Needle in London, but when she gets to her grandparents' house, it's empty, apart from a frightening and human voice. So Jane, what'd you think of the Throne of Fire so far? The way you kept saying uh, Brooklyn House during the summaries... I don't know why, but it put me in mind of, like, Grover House. Grover House. This is kind of a Grover House of a place. It's a little bit of a Grover House, because I can just imagine Amos, like, um, posting about it on a forum and being like, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to build my own house in Brooklyn, and I'm going to give it, like, five floors, soundproof every room, put a baboon in it who shits everywhere, and have, like, a weird giant library in the middle of it that just kind of gets in the way of everything. That's, like, normal for a house in Brooklyn right now, I feel like. I wouldn't... To build it on top of a warehouse also? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Gentrification and stuff. You know what? You're probably right. Anyway, uh, these chapters were fine, TM. They were definitely fine. I mean, there was was some stuff in there that was, you know, compelling, as they say. Um, You know, it's a a start. It's how a story starts, for sure. It, It definitely, like... It puts me in mind of the first few chapters of Titan's Curse, where we're like, we've got some new characters to throw into the familiar cast, so we're just going to kind of chuck them into an action scene to see how they all bounce off each other, while also seeding some uh, information about what the rest of the plot will be. What do you think of these new characters? Uh, They are extremely nothing so far. Uh Uh-huh. I think, to go back to that comparison, uh, Thalia was really well established in those chapters as like someone who Percy butted heads with a lot who has, like, her own drives and motivations and stuff. The only reason I remember uh, Jazz's name is because that's the name of my dad's dog. Oh, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> what, what did you think of these characters? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking pretty similarly to you. Like, Jazz is, you know, she's kind of boilerplate. She's the nice cheerleader. She's blonde and peppy, but she sacrifices herself very early on to give Reverend Elsa motivation to move forward um she's not like fridged but uh i did i was worried that she had just like insta fridged herself but i don't even know if it would be fridging at this point because she's not even like a real character right if it was like oh carter got a girlfriend between books and (laughs) And she just gets killed immediately at the start of this one (laughs) at least we have like you know some energy going in even if it wasn't the best energy yeah Uh, yeah. I I mean, and Walt is like also just kind of nothing so far. Like he he's seems mo- to just be there for Sadie to make googly eyes at. Right. Like the two traits I could think of him like by were like, oh, he's he's a charm maker apparently. He makes and a shitload of jewelry, which he, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. He's kind of mysterious, I guess. Like it seems like he has a sort of mysterious stuff going on. Like he has, mm-hmm. I don't know plans with jazz or like he's he's weirdly commanding um but mostly it's just that sadie has a crush on him yeah and like it's that's fine you know there are characters i don't know i mean it's it's not fine i don't know there it's good to have characters 
who our main characters have crushes on in these kinds of young adult books. Be it would just also, be nice if the crushes also had characters. Th- well, that's what I'm saying, is that it's yeah. it's good to have them also have interiority of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe we're just not there yet. Yeah, I mean, again, this is just, this is early days for these characters. I, I again ignore Thalia being really well established in her first few chapters. Sweep that back under the rug and ignore it. Uh huh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like the thing is that Jazz and Walt also don't get like a lot to do here. Um, like <sighs> Walt especially. I feel like Jazz gets more to do than Walt does. Jazz at least gets to do a heroic sacrifice. Walt just kind of like uh. Puts his hands on a window, gets cursed, tips over, and that's most of what he does for the entire set of chapters. Yeah, he mostly just sucks so far is the thing. <laughs> like, maybe he'll be really cool later, and I'll be like, hell yeah, Walt. Like, our favorite character, Walt. Like, But <laughs> for now, it's just like, oh, here's this guy, and he's the oldest one, I guess. He's not the oldest one. Some of them are, like, college age, but he's like, mm-hmm. he's he, here's this guy. I guess I guess we could just kind of like expand out from that to like the rest of them and the college age ones, and address that as we predicted. Um, the twenty first gnome is just kind of being turned into like Egyptian camp half blood. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> it's like if Egyptian camp half blood was just like one cabin. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, Luke's gamer pad from the movie. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like. Because the way that it's described is, like, all of them... I actually do like this. I like when they get back to Brooklyn House, and, like... That's what it's called, right? Brooklyn House? I'm not making that up? I think so. Okay. And, like... I am, I am like, every time you say it, hearing it, like, with the H-A-U-S on the end, though. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but, like, when, when they get back there, and they're just kind of, like... Sadie is just kind of, like, going through to breakfast and kind of, like, pointing out the ways that it's changed since, like, a sequence that really we, or at least I, really liked at the end of the, the Red Pyramid was them, like, rebuilding the rebuilding mm-hmm. the house. Yeah. Um, and how much it's changed since, since then with, like, just the addition of, like, you know, 20 new kids uh, is... It's, it's uh, detailed in a way that I really appreciate. That's true. I guess I may be, like... This might not be entirely the book's fault. I'm just aware that after this, we'll be going back to Heroes of Olympus and Trials of Apollo, both of which will involve Camp Half-Blood. And I was kind of, I was keeping my fingers crossed that this series would, like, be a bit of a departure from that formula. Yeah. Because the first book definitely was. Yeah. It feels at least like... There's, like, a marked difference between Camp Half-Blood, which is, like, a place where you go for the summer... Mm-hmm. versus like Brooklyn House which I also can't see in my mind anymore uh, without spelling it that way um, which is like it seems to be like almost just like a place you live like you run away to yeah it does kind of have that vibe and that's that's not bad like that's that's kind of interesting like all these misfits put together like I'm sure they could go back like Sadie demonstrates that she can pretty easily although she's you know a bit more advanced than magic uh teleport just all the way to london so i'm sure like cleo could go back to brazil if she wanted to i mean how many egyptian artifacts are there in brazil is the question uh uh, probably a couple right i guess yeah i guess there'd be some in a few museums right and like i'm sure there's like an obelisk built somewhere 
And yeah, like it's just, built- I feel like there'd, there'd be more in somewhere like Britain because of all the imperialist looting is the thing. Right, right. That's why we go back to that concept of like, oh, also the things that are inspired by Egypt are also Egyptian Oh, yeah, no, good, that's a good point. Yeah, mostly, mostly these kids... I was going to say, like, oh, it's different from Percy Jackson because these kids don't seem to be going on the adventure with them or anything. Uh, <laughs> but A, we don't really know that yet, and B, that's also what happened in Percy Jackson. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they pick a few and send them off on a quest. But hey, Camp, Camp Half-Blood doesn't have uh, a fireplace full of penguins. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's kind of cute. It's cute. Uh, like I was saying, I, I enjoy the little details, like all the the, the the general mess, like the little pockets the, like that show the characters, like snippets of character for each of these new kids. Yeah, for context, the fireplace full of penguins is something that like a nine-year-old uh, decided to do with magic because he likes penguins. Right. And seeing the way that like magic has transformed this, per- this house, um, I guess makes it feel like more of a living environment. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Camp Half-Blood is a place that is, like, very magical, but also very, but it's also, like, it has those magical foundations laid out, and it's, like, it's inherently a force that is not going to change until the very end of the series where Percy changes it. Yeah, until Percy fucking puts a gun to Zeus's head and tells him to change it, it is, like, designed to maintain the status quo. The house, um, sorry, uh, the, the, 20, the 21st gnome is very is is different than that it's like inherently dynamic and i think that's that's cool Spe- speaking of like levels of dynamism uh-huh i would like to rag on the the combat a bit okay go ahead because <laughs> i feel like we've we've accidentally ended up with a system that combines like the worst elements of a soft magic system and the worst elements of a hard magic system for the action scenes all right where we've got like the the combat's entirely based around like different artifacts and different things you can use with different powers but also like because it's all it's very mechanically focused but it's also um based on things that you can basically just pull out of your ass from the duel at any uh-huh. time so you're in the situation where like the fights are very mechanical but the audience can't really get invested in like the power of each character and the way that their abilities work and also, like, you don't have the awe and wonder of, like, a softer magic system because, you know, the characters can uh, pull out, like, a rope that can tie up a uh, sphinx out of, out of nowhere. Yeah, that's an understandable criticism. I wasn't super... I just, my, my, my eyes kind of glazed over during a lot of the fighting <laughs> of this. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't... It's nothing special. It, it it doesn't even really like super di- differentiate the characters for me and like how they fight like i it like there's a little bit of that like what it does kind of well is like establish where carter is and like his like mental state right now and so far as like damn he really wishes he was still like back combined with horus because horus could egg him on to do stupid shit right and like we know that carter is a character who is kind of like going that direction. He wants to be able to do more like compulsive things, mm-hmm. uh, impulsive things, not compulsive things. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe, I don't know. Um, and, and so like in that respect, in that respect, feeling that, feeling that like sense of loss um, is, is like, a, like that's, that's good to show. 
Um, but otherwise, it's like, I don't know. I wish that, that this had been used to, like, really show off, like, oh, maybe, like, Walt gets a bit of action. Like, we, we see what his deal is. Yeah, because we're, we're told that everyone has, like... The, the, the way that these characters' magic work is they each have, like, a patron god. They each have a patron god that they draw their abilities from. But we don't really see, like, all of them, like, fighting in detail in a way that shows off what those different abilities are. Like, it's mostly just Carter hitting things with his sword, and Sadie throwing a rope, and then Jazz self-destructing. Yeah, like... Like, we see Carter, he's connected to the war god Horus, so he's, you know, using more straightforward battle techniques. Carter, uh, Sadie, rather, is using a lot of, like, magic and stuff. And we do see... What I was really excited when I, like, saw that... um, That... What's her fucking name? Jazz. Jazz. Uh, was using, like, had, like, Sekhmet symbols on her, like, stuff. Because I, I thought that was, like, really interesting, because we've seen Sekhmet. We know Sekhmet is, like, a bloodthirsty, like war fiend like she I, was, kills- I was hoping that she was going to be able to fire arrows the size of predator drones which is what Sekhmet can do yeah or at least like use some combination of like oh she's a healer but also she's like a fucking like furious in battle um and maybe she is we still have not gotten to see that um <laughs> but I, you know, I that like that's something that maybe I would have liked to see to have seen. But like she does get an opportunity to, you know, show that off. Um, Walt doesn't necessarily seem to be like tied down to like, oh, I'm studying the magic of Pata or anything like that. Um or and like it seems like that's not necessarily something every magician has to do. But mm. I don't I don't have a sense for him in the way that I have a sense for uh jazz. Like, cause I guess the, I, I, I guess kind of like the, the core of my problem with the way that the fighting is set up is to again because we've given up on trying to make this a standalone thing it has to be compared to Percy Jackson quite a lot I guess it's, unfortunately it's so much worse at um, differentiating the characters than just like giving them all a different weapon and having them each hit things with a weapon in different ways and Percy yeah. occasionally shoots water out of his hands at it yeah, and, like, they do all have different weapons, but it's not differentiated in that way yet. Like, yeah, you've not got, like, a cool knife, big scary shield and spear and fucking pen sword. Right, we've got, like, I, I think Carter's weapon is pretty cool. It's, like, a cool, what is it, a kotap? It's a cool, like, curved sword. Yeah. It's, like, kind of like a sickle. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We know that Sadie has a staff that she uses to turn into, like, cats and stuff, but it gets eaten. But the, staff, the staff gets eaten immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and uh, like, everyone, because they're magicians, they all have wands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, she doesn't even have her wand later because she, like, threw it in the duo. And that is, like, a, oh, Sadie putting herself in danger and being, like, impulsive character that I do like. Um, yeah. but going back to the, and like Walt's thing is that he also has a staff, I think, uh, I thought his thing was he has all his necklaces, which are very cool and have magic powers. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but we didn't get to see any of those except for like boat necklace. Oh yeah. He has a necklace that turns into a boat. Why can't they summon their Pharaoh boat? Uh, they can only do that once a year. What about like a, what about their Pharaoh reed boat? <laughs> They crashed that into uh, a factory. That was Amos's. I don't think they have their own. 
That's fucked up. I thought that a pharaoh always the the bloodline oh, of the yeah. pharaoh always has a boat to use. Well, I guess I mean they did have a boat to use. They had the one that um fucking Walt had on him. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I like that. And he <laughs> he's blood of the pharaoh, so maybe that's why he's carrying a boat around. So are all these kids like related? I guess so. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. You can't you can't zero DNA this away. I mean, I guess you can like Genghis Khan this away by saying that I, th- I think just... this is kind of a Genghis Khan situation where you can't like you simply cannot bother with like oh we're both related to Genghis Khan therefore it's unethical. Like <laughs> I in fact I would like to state as a position of this podcast that I think we're going to be stepping away unless it becomes very important from talking about incest because this is <laughs> listen. I, I would like to stop talking about it, but Rick keeps writing books about gods who keep, like, fucking their sisters. Yeah, I mean, okay. So Sadie <laughs> has a crush on Walt, and it's mostly just her trying to get over Anubis, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's fine. She keeps, like, a boy band poster of Anubis in her room. <laughs> um, it's, it's very funny. It, it's, like, not even, like, a cute Anubis. It's just, like, him with a jackal head. She's like, oh, I, I see... I, I, you can feel Rick trying not to write dog boy. Yeah. Like it's dog head boy. But you you know that's what he means. Wait, what do you mean by dog boy? Just like the concept of a dog boy? Yeah. I see. Okay, I just want to make sure I was like not missing a reference or anything. No. Okay. Um, it's going to be like Doughboy. Hey, Doughboy oh, is definitely dead. He's not back. No, Doughboy is fucked. He's, he's a coat. <laughs> he's a coat in like Mississippi by now. He's just walking back. That's going to be Poor- the end of the third book, is he just fucking comes through the door of Brooklyn House and says, where the fuck, what, where have you been? God. You just left me. God, poor Doughboy. <laughs> and while, um, while, while Sadie's angsting, since I guess we're here now, uh, she is, she's listening, are we here now or should we keep talking about the fight? I, I feel like we've talked to death our problems with the fight. Uh, while Sadie is angsting, uh, she's listening to popular popular music. Popular magician. While Sadie is angsting, she's listening to popular musician Adele. I guess there is like, because of the fucking Elvis thing, there is grounds for Adele to also be a magician. She could be. Uh, is is Adele popular with British teenagers? Uh, relatively, definitely around that time. That makes sense. That, that was that was how she got into doing the fucking the one of the James Bond themes. I think. Oh yeah, because she yeah, was I mean, very popular at the time. She was definitely popular. I always think of her as like mom music. <laughs> Maybe this is like a niche thing where it's like my mom really likes Adele, so like I I just think of her as mom music. That's possible. But, it, it's also possible that Rick is old. That's definitely like. So he mostly knows old people music. Yeah, but um, this sequence isn't the worst. The scene of her like just like lying on her bed, letting all her feelings swim over her, um, listening to like the mix that she listened to the day that she <laughs> left London. That's that's. I think that's. I don't know. It's not bad. It's not bad. I I think it's a cute detail that she just has a fucking mix on her iPod titled "Sad." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, um. Sadie's, like, going through it in these chapters a little bit. She is, like... 
She seems to be, like, somewhat traumatized from the events of Red Pyramid and does not want to deal with that shit again. These children are so traumatized, and she is, like... Sadie especially is just like, I want one fucking day. <laughs> and she wants to have her birthday off. And that would be lovely. You know, I, I agree she should have her birthday off. Yeah, um, same. But it is I, I ha it is four days before the world ends, I guess. Yeah, I feel like as shitty as, as it is, could you not just like say we'll have a party after the world doesn't end? And it's like, I get it, because no one is saying that to her, right? Like, nobody's even, like, mentioned anything about her birthday. So she feels, like, super un, like, uncared for right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, that like, her emotional state is fairly well drawn in these chapters. Like, getting to see everyone just kind of, like, ignoring her feelings or, like, not, not paying attention to them in the way that she would like um, or in the way that she kind of needs right now. Um, and, like we kind of get that pressure along with her of like, people are holding secrets back. People are holding things back. Uh, people are like not paying enough attention to like what I need. It, it, it's definitely like, I, I very much feel for her here. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm a little disappointed that uh, after all the development we had in the last book, we're kind of back to Carter and Sadie being quite prickly towards one another. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand that we kind of we need there to be some conflict there, so it, it makes sense that the relationship's been reset a little. Yeah, it's one of those things that's like it's been a few months. They've had to like impromptu become teachers. Mm-hmm. Like it's obviously like I think there have been worse resets. Like there have been worse relationship resets uh, in books that I've read. Yeah, it put it put me in mind of like um, like. We never really get to see, like, Percy and Annabeth, like, getting along really well. Uh-huh. Like, it, at the point where it seems like that's going to be what's happening, it things turn really frosty between them, and that was quite frustrating to read. And this this isn't anywhere near as bad as that. Yeah, the, it's like, you completely understand why this relationship is happening, and the important thing that it still happens is that you see that they do very much still care for each other and the way that they learned to through the last book. I was so glad that, like, after... Sadie says, I would like my fucking birthday off, please. Uh, instead of Carter sidling over to her later and giving her a bollocking, he is like, I'm sorry, I got you a present, I'll give you it when you get back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I really... It's like, this relationship is very... It's not just the same. And I really enjoy... I really appreciate that. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. They're, really, they're like, sibling relationship going on. Um... But then, of course, they do still get into an argument because that's just like how it is sometimes. Oh, speaking of um, Sadie communicating with the people around her, uh huh. I don't think she explained her dream to Amos properly. How so? Because Amos is sat at the table, being like, "That motherfucker Desjardins is thinking about coming here and attacking us." When what Sadie saw happen right before her eyes was Desjardins say, "Okay, we need to put aside this grudge with the Canes." And then this new guy, this fucking Vladimir dude, very obviously mind controls him, and then Dejardin changes his mind. Yeah, and like you can see Amos like gathering that on his own, 
but like like he's very like he's like slowly kind of like ah oh, well unless like this isn't really digital like, he doesn't say it so explicitly but you can tell it's like he's like going there um uh, it, it does feel like there's like that disconnect like did sadie not get that like did she not really fully grasp that that was happening yeah i don't i just it feels weird for him to be pinning it on Dejaden when, like, li- literally what Dejaden said out loud was, fuck this grudge with the Canes, we need to focus on Apophis, and possibly even work with them if it means taking down Apophis. Yeah, and, like, we see Amos saying the same thing, like, he's like, well, fuck Dejaden, but we have to work with him, surely he'll put mm-hmm. aside his grudges. Uh, so, like, I don't know, I'm not sure what's... I I want there's like kind of a parallel going on there I guess. Um, ooh, what if what if Amos is being influenced by someone? I mean that again, again, uh, could happen. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe that's uh, just every book that happens. <laughs> just like Amos is always fucking <laughs> sus. <laughs> God, uh, what do you think of this Vladimir Menshikov character, Vlad the Inhaler? Um. Bad name for a start. Don't like that. You don't like Vlad- Vladimir Menshikov? I don't like Vlad the Inhaler. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't I don't want to know what he's inhaling. I I don't want to know any more about that. It's going to be fucked up if like later on he like turns someone like into gas and like inhales them and kills them like that. What if he just like unhinges his jaw and like sucks people in? He's like Kirby? Yeah. I kind of like him now. That's cute. No, I but he's think- like he's just like a normal guy, so that you can see like the person like going down his throat like a fucking snake or something. Jane, <laughs> Jane, we've had too many episodes. And I don't think we've mentioned Vor maybe once. So I I need I need, I need us to not make it twice. You're the one who said that our fucking on a a Twitter our location should be Amit's tummy. You're, I, I think you're the one who said that, actually. No, I didn't know what Amit was. I don't know shit about Egyptian mythology. Okay, well, maybe I said that, but... From a plot perspective, I also don't really like Vlad. Just because, like, the reason I like Dejaden in uh, Red Pyramid was because, like, we have this situation where we have these, like, fated cycles and everyone has their destiny and, like, history repeats itself... We've got all of that going on, and then we also have, like, Dejardin as a rogue element with his own agenda. Yeah. Who, like, doesn't really fit into the cycle and is just doing his own thing to maintain his own political power. And so I I feel like taking away his agency by making him a mind-controlled minion of this Vladimir guy kind of removes what was interesting about him. Right, because last book we had kind of three factions. There was, like, the Cain faction, the House of Life, and there was what was ultimately, like, Apophis's group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I guess you could argue that, like, Apophis set all of it in motion, so, like, the House of Life were also kind of among Apophis's group. But I think that, like, by by making it so clear, because it's obvious that this Vladimir Menshikov guy is, like, working for Apophis, probably. Absolutely. That, like, it's just, like, kind of reduces the level of interest I have in these, like, I guess, factions. Because if it's just, like, oh, well, this is, now this is where Apophis' evil is coming from. Like, okay, but I think it'd be more interesting if, like, the House of Life was still here. They were still antagonistic to the, you know, the Brooklyn House kids. 
but also they were still trying to stop Apophis. Yeah, I, to, to go back to Titan's Curse, which is becoming like a weirdly significant point of comparison for this book. Like we we were really pleased when the Hunters of Artemis were introduced, because that introduced like an extra faction, an extra element to think about in terms of the world, with their own like relationship to the heroes. And like what's happening here is like the reverse of that. We're getting like one of the other factions getting infiltrated and basically just turned into another arm of the evil ones. Yeah, and that like and it's like what you said. This really just kind of waters down what made Dajaldin interesting. So I'm I'm not super thrilled outright about this this direction. I think that like design-wise, I guess, Vlad is kind of cool. I'm confused that Sadie seems to think that he's an ice cream man. I I guess he's, like, dressed in... I'm guessing he's, like, dressed in white with, like, a white hat or something. Okay, but I feel like he needs an apron if you want to go in that direction. Maybe. I don't know. Ice cream men come in all flavors. Sometimes they just wear the silly little suits. That's true. They're like, you know, they, they drive around in the trucks... Do they have those in the jolly old London? Yeah, we got ice cream vans. Cool. Just wanted to make sure. There's one near here covered in like um, uh, promotional pictures for the first Avengers movie. Oh, fuck which yes. Which I'm almost, almost certain are not officially licensed by Disney. So that's, uh, that person is a hero. That's so good. <laughs> I hope they're selling like incredible Hulk gumball eye ice cream sticks. <laughs> God. Uh, I... Um, but, like, his eyes are very, uh, I guess, just, like, intimately described. Um, and his, his eyes are very burned. His face is apparently looks like it's had acid thrown at it. He's, like, um, he's he's not, like, two-faced. He's just, like, very, uh, <laughs> it's not, but One he's, like. One very fucked up face. He's a very fucked up face. And I, there's something I always like. This is, this is something that, like, became an interest of mine. Um, I think when I read the Demonata series by uh, Darren Shan when I was a kid, did you ever read like the Circuit of Freak novels or anything like that? I they- I always saw Darren Shan novels hanging around in my library, and I just never knew where to start with them, so I never read them. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, the Demonata series was like less popular than the Circuit of Freak ones, like the Vampire's Assistant and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always really liked it. It was basically about like there's this normal kid who's like on vacation with his family. And then he, like, comes home one day, and it has, like, the most gruesomely described, like, murder scene. Just, like, like bodies strewn about, delicately describing every, like, visceral detail that I've Christ. ever read in a children's book. Or, like, at least that's the way that it felt to me when I was reading it as a child. Uh-huh. And... Like, the, the series kind of just, like, goes like that with that level of terror and dread. And so, like, so, like, very, um, very explicit moments of things that are supposed to be, like, horrific always appeal to me in books and, like, I guess just, like, young adult fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this kind of rang as to me. Yeah, it is, it always, it is always kind of cool when Rick will, like, dip into like much more visceral descriptions of stuff like we had the oracle in percy jackson and the olympians and stuff like that but he is also called vlad the inhaler he is also called vlad the inhaler that's not a particularly intimidating name no matter what kind of like horrific four powers that entails it could i wonder if it's literally just because he wheezes a lot 
Can you imagine? Maybe it's because he has asthma and he has to use an inhaler. And the That'd nickname be is just up. people being really fucks. <laughs> That's so... If people called me like, oh, it's Jacqueline the Glasses. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's like... That's like really rude. You shouldn't call that. You shouldn't do that to someone. Maybe Deja, Maybe that's the nickname Desjardins gave him, and he's not actually working for Apophis. He's just like mind controlling his revenge for being a bullying piece of shit. Oh, he's a Russian chaos agent. I just realized <laughs> this. Hang on, what? Were you on Tumblr in like when the election was happening and they started banning people for being quote unquote Rus- Russian chaos bots? What the fuck? No. <laughs> Mostly just, like, black leftists who are saying that, like, the United States was bad. <laughs> because they're like, oh, this is obviously Russian bots. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds right. Uh, So so we, we finally have an in-universe Russian chaos bot. <laughs> fuck. It does God, feel... because al- he's working for the forces of chaos, too. God fucking damn it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> God. Uh, it, it would be interesting if we find out that, like, he wasn't actually working for Apophis and he had his own agenda. Like, this this is a guy who could be an interesting antagonist. But that would be so fucking weird to have, like, the guy who's not working for Apophis and has his own agenda then gets mind-controlled by another guy with the exact same motivation. And then presumably yeah. in the next book, Vlad the Inhaler gets mind-controlled by someone else, and it's just fucking people with their own agenda all the way down. You know, that's just how, <laughs> it's how it is sometimes. That's oh, true. God. I mean, we have, we've only got one book left after this. This is a three-book series, so... It is a three-book series, which is curious. I guess, like, speaking of numbers of books and things that happen in books... Um... The three-book series, even... Uh-huh. Um, should we talk again about time limits? We we do have a time limit again. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. They had a, mm-hmm. a they had to get it done before, what was it? Was it the summer equinox? Winter equinox, I think. The, the winter equinox. Uh, Possibly. Sea of you, Monst- no, wait, no, you're right. It was the summer equinox. All right, the summer equinox. Um sea of monsters they had like a, a couple days before grover got eaten and thalia's tree died mm-hmm. uh titan's curse was was there a, a time limit there yeah mount orthus was being like rebuilt right um because uh, uh, atlas was out from under the, the sky or something yeah battle of the labyrinth uh they they had to they had to shut down the labyrinth before the monsters used it as a way to like get into camp Right, right. And, uh, of course, like, book five, uh, which I, I always can remember the name of, uh, <laughs> it's Battle of Manhattan. Uh, wait, no, it's it's uh, The Last Olympian. In The Last Olympian, the fucking, like, monster was going across the country. And they yeah, had Typhon. Only a few, yeah, Typhon. You, you remember details very well. Uh, <laughs> like, the name of major antagonists from books we've read recently. <laughs> Um, I'm fucking detail oriented. That's me. Uh, Kane Chronicles. They had like five days before the new year to do it. Yeah, they had to get get it through the demon days. There, there has to be a way to create suspense in an adventure story and to really get things like kicking into high gear. That isn't you only have insert number of days to do this. I suppose like that. There's a degree to which all stories function based on a time limit. Because there's always like uh, the. Any story like this, you are working to prevent like a bad thing from happening. There is a time limit, 
but it it does really start to feel obvious. I don't know, it could just be framed differently. Yeah, like, there were some Percy Jackson books where I didn't feel this was an issue because it was framed differently. I think, um, especially, like, Battle of the Labyrinth and um, Last Olympian, the time limit is much more organic. It's not, like, a hard number being given. It's, oh, fuck, we need to do this before blank happens. And, oh, fuck, Typhon, he be walking. Yeah, it almost feels like regressing, I guess. Like... <laughs> Again, (laughs) yeah, you have to have a like a, I guess more not I don't know I guess is elegant the word like there has to be a more elegant way to write this. You need to at least gussy it up so it looks kind of different. Because like if I get to the fucking the serpent's shadow or whatever, and it's like (laughs) oh we only have four days before Apophis rises. My God, that's one less than last time. Oh, uh, <laughs> that makes it scarier, Jane. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm. Th- this is one of those things where, like, I get it completely, but I just like wish it was different. Yeah, there's just. I, I'm. I'm hoping that Rick looks into some other ways to play around with the idea of time limits, at the very least. Yeah. Oh, I have a minor thing. Okay. Uh, these books think that, um, Osiris is blue. Uh-huh. I thought he was green. Why green? Every picture I've seen of him, he's green. Green is blue, historically. Oh, no. wait, what? I just, like, historically, green is blue. It's the same what? color. What the fuck? No. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No. Yes, this is absolutely true. What are you talking about? What? No, they're two different colors. That's why they, they have different names. They aren't, though. This is the thing with, like, the ocean. Like, green and blue. Okay, this is... I read, like, a whole book on this. Like, green okay. and blue. Like, there are cultures... There are, like, we're just, like... There is no difference between green and blue in, like, color language at all. And so, therefore, like, if you were, like, what's... Like, we... This is the thing with, like, stoplights sometimes. Like, they'll have just, like, blue instead of green. Or, like... I don't like this is this is a very real phenomenon is that like blue and green are not so differentiated. It very much depends on like language and culture. All right. That that's that's fair enough. I'm willing to accept that uh that that may be a thing in some cultures. Uh Carter is an American. <laughs> I I get you. I mean, I guess he saw <laughs> he saw his dad and he was blue is the answer. Oh, well, yeah, but all the all the paintings of Osiris are described as I guess it's it's maybe just like it's one of those things where it's just simpler to say that they're blue at that point than say like, oh, they're green in the pictures, but I knew that he was actually blue because I saw him at my last birthday or whatever the fuck. Right. And then it's like, oh, but teal, you know, is that green or blue? And it's like, okay. And I don't know. And like, I think um, <laughs> it's the difference between like, there's something more, if, if you told me that Osiris is green, I would be like, oh, okay. It's like zombies or whatever. But if you tell me that's, that Osiris is blue, it's like, oh, okay, that's like a corpse. Like, that's a little bit more interesting to me. Well, yeah, but I mean, he is a fucking zombie. Yeah, he's also a corpse, though. <laughs> that, that, but he's a living corpse. Well, he's walking around with, with no penis, ruling the underworld. Okay, we don't know that he doesn't have a penis anymore. We absolutely know that. I Are we certain that he didn't get it back? I... I thought he was reassembled. Wait, no, but that was the one piece. I forgot. 
Yeah. I left everything I had in one <laughs> piece. Gotcha, she fucking dab. <laughs> oh, Wait, Jesus does that mean God. it's like... Does that mean Julius is, is like in the rubble of the Red Pyramid somewhere? Oh, God. <laughs> what if they have to go and find it somewhere? Like, just like, they have... <laughs> This that, is this is, this is like this is one of the size stories that they send off like the trainees to do. Uh huh. Because like, like they, it's grim, it's grim enough to look look for that. Never mind if it's like your dad's. You don't want to touch that. No. Oh God, no. <laughs> like, like, like they'll be like, okay, uh, Walt, uh, Felix, you two get this. Uh, Go like, and maybe fetch send the, the, the sacred it? green slash blue worm of Osiris. Don't look at it too closely. Put it in the bag. Refrigerate it. Do not look at it. <laughs> uh, or they they should they should really send some of the college kids to do that. To be honest, yeah, probably. Oh God. Um, <laughs> do you have any theories about what's going on with Jazz and Walt? Uh, yeah, they're definitely like fucking in cahoots with the House of Life or or something. Excuse me. There's, like, something, right? Because, like, Walt is, like, oh, he's mysteriously commanding, and, oh, he has a he has a presence to him. And, like, like, I don't know, you can describe a character as having a presence to them without it meaning more than that. But this is, like, a book series about, like, gods and magicians and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, like, the thing that is happening is that Sadie has a crush on Walt, which is, like, is what allows us to see as the reader that, like, like oh walt and jazz are like talking and whispering to each other a lot and saying things that sadie doesn't get to know um and that makes her feel jealous and like you know adds to her like feelings of i'm so alone i'm nobody wants me but also it's letting us as the viewer see like maybe there's more going on um so i'm, I'm definitely interested in what's going on like if they have some weird plans together maybe they're just like Hey, we signed on for like cool magician training, but it seems to just be these two 14-year-olds who dress up like ninjas and don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's especially funny that like they have to wear like linen in the rain and stuff, like very like light <laughs> linen clothing. Um and Walt is just like I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, he, he just wears like normal clothes outside. But he's not even like He's not even saying, like, I'm not doing that. I'm putting on, like, a fucking plastic raincoat or something. Wait. Hmm. What's up? I just realized, does plastic count as, like, organic matter for the purposes of magic? Plastic is made of oil, right? Yeah, so it's made of, like, millions of year old fucking crushed up uh, sea creatures. I guess i would say probably not i feel like it's been a few too million too many millions of years for it to be called organic anymore i don't know i'd I'd like to see someone fucking around with that in the house of life just to i don't know that could be a fun scene i think it could be fun it's like saying is plastic organic reminds me of a tumblr post i saw earlier today which is like can i advertise my house as being made of made of real cheese if i add parmesan to the foundation while it's being like built uh, <laughs> like this is this is this is the same thing uh yeah <laughs> do you think one of the kids added parmesan to brooklyn house i think that was in the original plans that amos drew up 
I feel like you're making him quirkier than he is. <laughs> I He built his own house on top of a fucking warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Thoth helped. Do you think Thoth helped? That You know what? Actually, we've seen Thoth. Thoth absolutely seems like the kind of person who would build a fucking Grover house. <laughs> so that might explain all of this. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Uh, do we have anything else to say before we wrap up? Uh, I don't think so, apart from uh, I forgot that Sadie is actually relatively posh compared to me because she went to a grammar school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so <laughs> what's I a grammar school? A grammar school is like a, a, uh, I think it's a private secondary school. Okay. So it's like one you pay for. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a private school unlike public school, which is also a private school, and comprehensive, which are publicly owned schools. Right. Okay. I I definitely get it. Uh, she does. I, at one I went point... to a comprehensive. In case you couldn't tell by listening to me talk about anything for more than twenty seconds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I same. Um, <laughs> uh, we're better than those people. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she does describe uh, her room in Brooklyn House as being, like, more posh than her grandparents' home. Uh, but I have to imagine, like, just to, like, live on the River Thames or whatever, you have to be fucking rich, even if your house is shit. Yeah, I feel like she she's going to grammar school. There is that, like, Riverside apartment I don't know, maybe that's why the house is so shit. That's all they can afford between those two things. Probably. Because <laughs> they, like, built the house... They specifically bought a house on one side of the river to appease Egyptian tradition. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe they could only get a deal for, like, something, you know, something <laughs> terrible. They had to oh, make but- some, some kind of deal with the devil, which was uh, very fitting, given their surname. Oh, of course, of course. We're bringing it all back. <laughs> uh what's you have any you have any theories on what's going on with Zia because I'm I'm not sure what's happening with her at this point. Uh my theory is that uh Red Sands is just the dust kicked up by the Red Pyramid collapsing and she's just like under there. God, that's fucked up. Like oh, I <laughs> There's just a lot met, of like... stuff under that pyramid and um you may end up finding something you don't like while looking for your sort of maybe girlfriend. Jesus Christ. I mean, we know <laughs> that her shabti is under there. Oh, that's uh, yeah, I guess I I guess, actually, Zia would be literally anywhere except where the Shabti was. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Shabti was like a suit of armor that she was wearing. <laughs> they we just know fucking that that's, left her there. We know that that's not true, but wouldn't it be fucked up if it was? If, like, uh, Iskandar's whole plan was like, okay, the, it'll break and they'll be able to get her out of it, but they just kind of ditched it there. <laughs> they just maybe assumed. She, she's chilling out with Doughboy right now. God... Yeah, they can't even hang out with Bast though because Bast is back. Oh yeah, and she's she's gonna die or something probably. Probably, I'm I'm excited. Cause I feel like we've got a lot of um, a lot of things where like all we need is for one thing to be repeated from the last book for it to become like a bizarre pattern that will repeat into the third one. Uh huh. Like Bast um, dying or like. Bass dies, Amos, Amos being... gets mind-controlled, another rogue person comes along and mind-controls Vlad. I'm hoping for all of these things to happen. All of... I just... I really want it to happen. Uh, 
you know, I think we've we have declared these chapters to be kind of just whatever. They're perfectly fine. They're decent. Uh, I I'm I have expect I not expectations. I have high hopes for the rest of this book. I think it can go. I can. I think it'll be better than the Red Pyramid. Interesting. I suspect it will be slightly worse, but not terrible. You know, I'm. <laughs> we we both offer offer predictions. One of us will probably be right. So, I hope it's you. <laughs> if you'd like to reach the show. Uh, go to twitter.com slash girls for all our links, uh, email, Discord server, Patreon, all that shit, our own personal Twitters. Uh, don't add us, but feel free to add us if you're saying good things about our show or like have any corrections or anything. Uh, uh, leave a five-star rating or review if you want to help us out. Uh, if you also want to help us out, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash girls. One dollar a month, uh, you get to be a whittle doe being, uh, and that gives you access to the, that role in the Discord server uh, and uh, our appreciation. Uh, for three dollars a month, you get big ba energy, uh, which gives you uh, that role in Discord and also uh, all of our bonus content. We talk about various things like uh, like Homestuck and Doctor Who and. Uh, we'll be talking about the Prince of, what, not the Prince of Egypt, the, uh, wait, is that what it's called? Uh, no, wait. Yeah, are we talking about the Moses movie? Yeah. I think that is Prince of Egypt. I got it confused with Gods of Egypt, which I remember be just, like, a notoriously bad action movie. We'll be talking about the Prince of Egypt and Gods of Egypt soon. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we've talked about Hercules, uh, many things. We'll be covering Rook's, Rook's? Rick's adult detective series soon. Um, and for $5 a month, you get the Bast Headpat Pass role in the Discord server. Use it wisely. You get all of our bonus content. And uh, a special thank you at the end of every episode. Man, wouldn't it be cool to be named Rook? I think so. Uh, speaking of which, uh, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.